You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcast. We are a proud member of the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. If you have not yet heard, you can download our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. You can even go speak into one of those home devices known as Alexa or Google Home and ask it to play the Buffalo Rumblings podcast. And voila, you will hear my voice, John Boccasino, along with my co-host, Jamie D'Amico. We are bringing you our latest hot takes from the Buffalo Bills and One Bills Drive. And uh, Jamie, it's great to have you back on the podcast. I know we uh, we got a lot of traction with last week's overrated, underrated podcast. It's done very well uh, with our listeners out there. So we appreciated people tuning in and uh, and hearing our hot takes on players that are overrated and underrated. And we're glad to have you back for another round as always. Hey man, here it is. It's the beginning of the week. We're podcasting. I feel good. How do you feel? I feel like this is one of those highlights of my life, Jamie, because really like <laughs> no, no facetiousness, you know, no, no sarcasm. There's a lot of shit that's happening all around us. And even though, you know, whatever your situation might be, however you're doing, we wish that our Bills fans are, are doing well and staying safe. And we're fortunate. We can come each and every week and just spitball takes about our favorite football team. So I feel very blessed to get to do this on a weekly basis, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Well, we certainly have it a lot easier than a lot of people right now. Gainfully employed and uh, healthy. So it's, it is it is strange times, but, you know, that's... That's why we're doing this, to get away from the strange times, right? It is It is a quite the distraction from this strange world that we're living in. And you got to figure, I mean, I, I kind of shudder to think what the next six months will bring and if we'll get sports off the ground and running and who knows. I mean, the NBA, and Major League Baseball, you know, starting up in July, football training camps taking place. I, 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 I really don't know what, none of us know what the future is going to hold, but I can tell you one thing. We'll be here each and every week to talk through your favorite Buffalo Bills topics with you on Believe. And, and Jamie, this week, we kind of alluded to this last week during our podcast of overrated and underrated uh, Buffalo Bills. I thought it would be a really good time to sit through and talk about contract extensions for two members of the Buffalo Bills who were drafted in the 2017 class. You have left tackle Deion Dawkins out of Temple, and you've got linebacker Matt Milano, a fifth-round selection. Dawkins went the second round. Milano went in the fifth round out of Boston College. Both of those guys, it's fair to say, are their, their, their contracts are running out. Decisions have to be made on whether you extend them and for how long you extend them. 
And that's our topic of the, of the podcast today, talking about contract extensions for both Deion Dawkins and Matt Milano. And we're, we're doing this under the premise of you can only pick one of those two. Who is the one that you would want to lock up first and foremost? And we'll go through the pros and cons of both of those players and what they've done so far in their careers in Western New York. And then we're going to tie it all together and look at head coach Sean McDermott and general manager Brandon Bean and what needs to be done with their contract status, with their extensions, because that's obviously those those people assembled the talented rosters that have led the Bills to two playoff appearances in the last three years after that god-awful playoff drought. So we'll talk about extensions and who we're locking up and why. So, Jamie, I thought this would be a really fun topic to kind of dive into here. Uh, what 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 was your first reaction when I mentioned, you know, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, and you can only choose one? What kind of ran through your head? My first thought was, God damn it, this might be a reality that we're looking at where only one of them can come back because just simply the economics of the NFL means that you can't hold on to all of your stars. And we watch other teams repeatedly let their let their excellent players walk out the door, but they have a, a next man up mentality. And then I become concerned because looking at the the depth of those two positions, I'm not comfortable with either one of them walking out out the door. So here we are sitting here talking about making a choice. Oh God, that that means that there's going to be a, a gaping hole in the roster somewhere, and not something I'm looking forward to because I'm pretty happy with the state of the roster right now. Oh my gosh, for sure. I mean, the Bills have assembled a highly competitive roster, coming off a ten and six record in 2019, uh, earned a wild card berth had the Houston Texans on the ropes on the road in the first round of the NFL playoffs before bowing out in in overtime and and people are really expecting a lot out of this regime. Now the Bills went out and addressed a lot of their holes if you will during the offseason, you know, trading for Stefan Diggs, they signed a bunch of guys, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Quinton Jefferson on the defensive line, uh, AJ Klein and Tyler Matikavich to shore up the linebacking core. Um, and obviously they they you know they brought back Quentin Spain on a team friendly deal, but all of those moves cost money, and that was what kind of uh, precipitated this conversation. Was the Bills before the offseason started? I kind of think fans took it for granted with how much cap space Buffalo had, you know, north of eighty five million dollars, that they were going to be able to get creative and find a way to bring back. Milano, Dawkins, and first-round selection from that year, Tredavious White. Now, Trey White's fifth-year option was picked up. So there's, the clock is not running as quickly as it is on Trey White, although he needs to get a long-term extension locked up sooner than later. Trey's getting more expensive every day, but you can tell that they're trying to put that one off probably at least until the midpoint of the season. Yeah, absolutely. They're trying to buy themselves some time, which is a luxury that – the fifth year option affords teams with their first round picks. But when it comes to Matt Milano, again, the fifth round linebacker out of Boston college and Deion Dawkins, the second round selection out of temple, there is a really good chance, Jamie, that Buffalo can only sign one of these two players, one of these two positions to get addressed for the long term. They're both going to come with pretty hefty price tags, I want to give Matt Warren a lot of credit uh, for this uh, research that he did. Matt Warren is our esteemed editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com. Uh, he is a great 
great voice. He does the Q&A podcast uh, with Buffalo Rumblings, talking about the Buffalo Bills each week. And back earlier this spring, he put together some contract extensions, which we are going to reference during the course of this podcast. But he also wrote an article in early April that was quoting uh, the Bills brass talking about and Brandon Bean talking about these extensions for both Matt and Deion Dawkins. Here's a quote I'm going to read to you, Jamie. See if you can read between the lines anything that Brandon Bean is saying. In my perfect world, guys like Matt and Dion, I would love to get them extended here long term on what I call is a win-win. A win for the Bills and a win for those guys person, said Bean. We've obviously invested a lot in them. They were drafted here in 17. The guys that fit like they do fit the DNA, show the physical skill sets, and bring what they bring. You'd love to give them new contracts. What's your take on how Brandon Bean is or is not addressing those two players and their impending status? To me, it sounds like Bean is saying, we'd love to have you here, but... So I'm under the impression Bean is doing a little bit of gamesmanship saying, if you want to be here, you're not going to be the highest paid player at your position, so don't even start down that path. And if they are going to get locked up to long-term deals, and we'll get into the numbers in a little bit, but Jamie, they're kind of terrifying how we, and we talked about both of these guys falling last week into our underrated categories of Matt Milano playing on his rookie deal and Deion Dawkins with his rookie deal. They both were considered underrated members of the Bills with the caveat that if they get those long-term extensions, they could quickly go from underrated to overrated. So with that being said, and how quickly the tides can turn, let's start off with Matt Milano, the linebacker out of Boston College. What Matt has done for himself, he's proven that he can cover basically every square inch on the football field. He has incredible vision. He's great in pass coverage. He's not the best when it comes to beating his guy, shedding a blocker to get into the backfield. That's not his forte, but he's really, really strong in pass coverage. And in a day and age where the NFL is so reliant on not only the aerial attack, but also getting backs out of the backfield, catching the ball and running and going downfield, it's essential that you have someone like a Matt Milano who can aid your defense and can stay strong in man coverage and make sure that you don't allow the big plays downfield. I think every Bills fan agrees that Matt Milano is a vital cog on this defense. I I think that Matt Milano is your prototype for modern NFL linebacker. He's a guy that can run. He can motor backwards. He can, you know, he can backpedal. He can run after tight ends and backs and even slot receivers at times. You know, this is a guy who is incredibly valuable. Now, looking at some of the the positives of Matt Milano, being a fifth-round draft pick, having to play his way into the lineup, this is a guy that just reeks of process. This has got to be a a Sean McDermott kind of guy. He's shown it with grit. He's fought back from ridiculous injuries. To oh god, that that broken ankle he had when his foot was facing the exact opposite direction was grisly. Hated seeing that. And you wondered how he was going to come back from it. Well, he did, and he was better than ever this past season. So if you're if you're the Buffalo Bills and you're looking at this guy. I would think you want to reward him, right? You you want to say, this is a perfect example of if you can perform, we're going to take care of you. And it sends a great message to the rest of the team. But 
Well, and and I, I think a lot of what Matt Milano gets credit for with his play is exactly what you just alluded to. He fits so nicely into not only Leslie Frazier's defense, but what the Bills look for out of culture and fit. We hear it all the time. And you mentioned he's a processy player. Matt Milano should be the poster boy for Bill's process and what that process is all about because he is not – there's a reason he fell to the fifth round of the draft in 2017. You know, Yes, he played in the ACC, but he played for Boston College. So Boston College has not had a good football team since Matt Ryan was there. They are not a powerhouse football program. And that's just a, tr- a true state of affairs that he did not get the benefit of the doubt of coming from a Clemson or you know coming from a, a, a Georgia, coming from an Alabama, an LSU, the SEC. Matt Milano's had to prove himself every step of the way. Now he has passed all of the tests again, except for he's not the best in in the run game. He's not the best as a run stuffer. But the Bills have enough decent weapons around him that they can mask what Milano does not do as well when it comes to the run stuffing abilities. My concern, Jamie, with Matt Milano and extending him, his contract value from what Matt Warren, the research he did, is going to be roughly twelve to fourteen million dollars per year uh, on an annual contract, and that's one of those things where if you can get a Matt Milano in the fifth round and you plug him in and make him be an awesome starter alongside Tremaine Edmonds, can you also say that you can do that again? You can turn to the college scouting ranks and find someone who is a hidden gem at that position? Or is what Milano has proven to be on the field so valuable that it makes it worthwhile to open up the coffers and give him a 12 to $14 million contract extension. And I'll give you some reference on that, Jamie, before I go any further. If Matt Milano earns somewhere between 12 and $15 million per year, his contracts are going to be comparable with a couple of pretty talented linebackers in the league. Shaq Thompson with the Carolina Panthers, who had a four-year $54.4 million contract extension that he signed with $27.5 million guaranteed. And Anthony Barr, Josh Allen's favorite hurdling subject from the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> who signed a five-year – I thought you would like that one out there. <laughs> I, I dream of that at night, watching Josh Allen hurdle Anthony Barr. Still one of the best gifs out there is watching that put over and over and over, watching Josh completely hurdle the Vikings' talented linebacker. But Barr signed a five-year, $67.5 million contract with only $16 million guaranteed. Now, Barr had made some Pro Bowls before his contract extension. Milano has not. However, Milano's closing the gap, I feel like, with regards to his perception and how well he fits as a linebacker. So if you're looking at it, Jamie, all I've just spewed at you there about Matt Milano and where he ranks, when you hear 12 to $15 million per year, how does that make you feel about his extension? That gets me thinking... Now we're we're talking about a guy who is a converted safety. So, you know, going back to the process, he's he's grown a lot, he's come a long way. But can you pay that much money to a linebacker who may not even be the best linebacker on your team? Tremaine Edmonds may be the best linebacker on the team. I think it's debatable. He's certainly the most athletic of the two and probably, I would say, is going to be a bit more versatile because Milano, not only is he not great against the run, but he doesn't get after the quarterback all that well, something that Edmonds does better. When I'm looking at 12 to $14 million, 
I'm thinking that's probably money that you have to pay toward other guys that may be a little bit more difficult to replace. So, you know, it's in the salary cap era, you're always taking from Peter to pay Paul. So if you pay him 12 to 14 million, who's not getting paid on the back end of that? Is it Josh Allen and the Bills not picking up his uh, fifth-year option? Is it not being able to extend Tredavious White? Is it Deion Dawkins who ends up walking after that? Uh, Micah Hyde? You know, there's a, a lot of good players that you have to make decisions on. At $14 million, I don't know if I can pay my second best linebacker that much money. That is a lot of moolah to be handing out to a guy who, again, if Matt Mula- and Matt Warren's contract projections based on, you know, a lot of spot track research and being comparable with the best linebackers in the league, uh, Matt gave him a projection of four years and 55 million with $23 million guaranteed, which would make it so there's not many linebackers who would rank above uh, Matt Milano at that salary rate. And like you said, Jamie, a lot of the ones who are above Matt Milano exceed at getting after the quarterback. That's right. really where a linebacker can, can, can make his money, can earn his reputation by not only being great in covering the backs at the Alvin Kamara's out of the backfield, but being great at getting after the quarterback too. And that's just not something we have seen from Matt Milano so far. He's about to turn or he's turning 26 this off season. So he's still young, but I just don't ever envision Milano being a guy who's going to get after the quarterback consistently enough to justify that massive contract for, again, the team's second best linebacker out there. That The math doesn't add up to me. That's, that's going to be a tough question. Now, the Bills had a ton of salary cap space coming into this offseason, and they made a lot of signings that it looks like they can get out of after a year or two. Was part of the reason for doing that because they're going to try to parlay these players into draft picks so they can backfill the roster? Or are they planning on keeping these players and letting other folks walk? That's going to be a tough one. I guess we'll come back to who we're deciding we're going to keep, Milano or Dawkins, after we talk about Dion. (laughs) With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've, we've really set the table quite nicely here, I think, on Believe for the case for and against Matt Milano. Now, I think, Jamie, I think, I think this, might not be take, this might be taking a bit of a, a leap out there, but I feel of the two, fans would rather have Milano back than Dawkins. That's just what I get based on you know the, the chat, the comments that you read on the web, the opinions of fans at games and on talk radio. You know me. I'm a Deion Dawkins supporter. I know he had a really rough 2018, but he showed me so much in 2019. I chose Deion as one of my underrated Buffalo Bills. I like the leadership that he took last year. Atoning, he To me, look, he's a talented guy. There's no doubt about it. But I just love – you talk about Milano being a processy guy. 
I love the intangible of Deion Dawkins fully embracing Buffalo, fully embracing the fans. He's a great weapon as a pass catcher, uh, as a tackle-eligible spot. Uh, he's had a couple of touchdowns in his career. Uh, an awesome uh, awesome guy, all-around fun-loving personality. But for me, what gets lost with Deion Dawkins is how much of a linchpin he is on this offensive line. And when it comes – I, I, I want to make a point real quick before I, I let you respond, Jamie, because I feel like I want to get this out there first and foremost – the reason I think Deion Dawkins is 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 underrated and more valuable uh, on this offensive line is the positional scarcity that he brings. Now, if he flounders in 2020, this is a moot point. I'm, and he wouldn't get he might still get big money, but I don't think it should come from the Bills. But I see Deion Dawkins continuing to project and move forward and advance with his left tackle, being a valuable blindside protector for Josh Allen, and being somebody who we we really count on to be again, that anchor where he can be what Jason Peters should have been in Buffalo all those years ago when the bills had that awful fallout from their all pro left tackle and they traded him away. He had a hall of fame career in Philadelphia and the bills have been basically waiting for that franchise left tackle to come back. I think Deion Dawkins has the potential to be that franchise left tackle. A hall of famer. Ah, cart before the horse. I, I think there's still needs to be. <laughs> I, I want to pump the brakes a little bit on the Hall of Fame talk, but I I think if you if you talk to me about projections and long term abilities, I think Deion Dawkins is way more likely to end up being a top five or ten left tackle than Matt Milano is to be a top five or a top ten linebacker. And again, the positional scarcity of it with Tremaine Edmonds, I think you can find other linebackers to replicate what Matt Milano did, who, again, he was a converted safety. It wasn't like he had this pedigree of being an all-pro linebacker in college. With Deion Dawkins, it's so damn hard to find guys who are mobile enough to handle the elusive edge rushers of today's NFL. And I think that's why Deion Dawkins, to me, um, if now granted, you're going to pay a little bit more money for a left tackle, I think, and we'll get to the numbers in a little bit, but when I put it to the eyeball test, Jamie, Deion Dawkins... How do you then kind of respond to what I've put out there about him being a little bit, you know, his, his worthiness of a contract extension? Well, I understand why fans probably are a little higher on Milano than they are any offensive lineman. It's because a linebacker can make some sexy plays out there. They can break up passes, get interceptions, force fumbles, you know, knife into the backfield to, to make a run stop that's, you know, going to uh, change momentum. I, I get that. But there's nothing more important in the NFL than than line play, whether it be offensive line, defensive line. It's just that's that's how you win. And we've seen that time and time again. So when it comes to Deion Dawkins, there's some definite upside. He's definitely stepped up as a, a leader in the locker room. You mentioned the way he's embraced Buffalo and Western New York. He's a He's pretty fun when he's going out for those passes. I'm, I'm sure you've seen some of the off-season workouts where he's uh, he's going up against some of his uh, some of his teammates who are trying to cover him, going out for passes, and he's getting open, which is absolutely amazing that he can get open versus wide receivers. There's a downside to him. He has been inconsistent. Uh, he has shown that he really started putting it together just this past year when you know talk before that was does this guy need to move to right tackle or is he actually a guard i don't think that this is a guy who's ever going to be a top 5 player at his position i don't think he's that athletic 
I, I think that the reason he lasted into the second round was he doesn't have the physical traits of the athletic ability that the true greats usually end up with. Because if you look at the NFL draft, yeah, Jason Peters was an undrafted free agent. Um, and that had a lot to do with him changing positions. But uh, usually the best left tackles are are picked in the first round because they're looking for just straight, pure athletic ability. He may not have that. Uh, and so I believe Pro Football Focus ranked him as like the number 13 left tackle in the NFL. That puts him... That puts him about middle of the pack, uh, a little above average. So is he going to get substantially better than he was this past year? I'm not sure he's going to. We, we definitely have to wait and see. Now, when you talk about positional scarcity, well, geez, getting a good left tackle is very important. And you've seen the Bills struggle with that, uh, You know, getting solid offensive linemen or offensive linemen that can stay on the field. And that's a place where he's very good. He does not get injured very often. And they always say, you know, it's a cliche that the most important ability in football is availability. Well, Deion Dawkins brings that. And he, if he continues his ascent from this past season, he's going to be improving. So I know I've talked out of both sides of my mouth here. I've given both pros and cons because I don't want you to know which player I'm selecting yet. <laughs> <laughs> the jury is still out as maybe Jamie's making up his mind on the spot. But no, it's it's challenging. This is not an easy discussion and easy decision for you know for uh, the tandem of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott to make because on the, you're going to piss off somebody Either way, the fan base, they want to bring everybody back if they prove their worth and they think there's an infinite purse that the Pakulas are drawing from to hand out these contract extensions. But here's where I land on this side of the coin. If it comes down to I can choose and before I give this to I want to give a little fair comparison as well. Again, going off of Matt Warren's contract projections. So he was projecting with spot track that Deion Dawkins, uh, somebody who has allowed 13 and a half sacks total over the last three seasons, only six holding penalties over those last three years, roughly 20 negative plays over three years, which is far below the league average for a left tackle. So with that being said, when you look at the contracts that have been afforded uh, that might be comparable to what mac and cheese Deion Dawkins might receive, there's two that jump to mind, a couple that jump to mind right away. One of them is Taylor Lewan from the Atlanta Falcons, who I believe is the highest paid left tackle in the league at five years and 80 million. Jake Matthews was five years and 72 and a half million. Donovan Smith from the Buccaneers, three years, 41 and a quarter million. And DJ Humphreys from the Arizona Cardinals, three years and 44 million with 29 million guaranteed. Those guys were the bar at the position that Deion Dawkins would be judged against until the Houston Texans handed out their contract extension to Laramie, I'm going to rip bong hits out of a gas mask, Tunsil, when they gave him, uh, it must be his his lungs must have gotten a lot better from that draft day video that leaked out there. Laramie Tunsil gets, I, dude, his his stamina, man, it's, it must be top notch to get this type of money from the Texans because Laramie Tunsil inked a three-year, $66 million contract that is, I almost feel like going to make Deion Dawkins, unless he gives Buffalo a bit of a hometown discount, this might make Deion Dawkins be priced out of Buffalo's territory because all of those contract projections I read to you 
were way more in line with what Dion could get before the Laramie Tunsil deal. So that's kind of a way of saying that maybe things are a fluid state of affairs with this contract projection because it's gotten a lot richer, the stakes have, for bringing back your left tackle. It has, but at the same time, we're talking about decisions that have been made by Bill O'Brien as the coach and general manager of the Texans, which after seeing that DeAndre Hopkins trade and the Laramie Tunsil trade in which he, I mean, they were just laughable, both of them, uh, we don't expect him to make trades that make sense and don't expect him to sign contracts or sign people to contracts that make sense. So I'll bet you that that one becomes an outlier because Laramie Tunsil is not worth more than the other guys that you mentioned. Oh, God, no, no. There's no way he's better than a Taylor the Juan or a Donovan Smith or any of the top actual tackles out there. So that, yeah, you're right. Bill O'Brien probably shouldn't be our sole barometer, but I thought it was worth putting out there that much like with Trey White and what the contracts that fellow quarterbacks are getting, the market is being set outside of Buffalo. So it's going to be a challenge to bring back either of these guys, if you're looking at Milano, Jamie, if you're looking at Milano getting between 12 and 15 per year and Deion Dawkins getting 14 to 16 million per year, gun to your head, forced to make a decision, who's the guy you're resigning? I think the guy I'm resigning is the one who's probably the most difficult to replace based on scarcity. I'm going to have to go with Deion Dawkins as much as I don't want to make a decision one versus the other. I I think you need continuity on the offensive line. And I think that linebackers, linebackers are replaceable. You can probably find a good linebacker, maybe not one as good as Matt Milano, but you could probably find a good solid linebacker for about half that price. Welcome to my side, buddy. I knew there's plenty of room over here on the show enough mac and cheese bandwagon. Glad to have you on team Deion Dawkins because he was the guy. Oh, well, you've got to know. I knew you were headed that direction and I've never had an original thought of my own. Oh, Come give on. yourself some credit, Jamie. You're, 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 you're not this robot cyborg that regurgitates everything that, uh, that you hear from other media sources. You've got original thoughts. No, out just there. you. Just, oh, I, just you. Flat. I only regurgitate what you say. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and, and you do humble me here on this podcast, but look, people, I've, I've been very evident and very vocal with my Deion Dawkins support. I will say how high the contract goes for the for the for the the, the sake of this podcast. Matt Warren's projection for a three year deal was forty four million with twenty five million guaranteed, which would still put Dion. I believe at the time he would have been third. Now I think he would have been fourth highest uh, with Laramie skyrocketing up the charts up there, but. It's a lot of money, but I, I still stand by the positional scarcity, and we need to protect Josh Allen's blind side. So if you have me make a choice, Dion's the one getting my contract vote over Matt Milano for all the reasons we've laid out here so far on the first part of the podcast. Now, Jamie, we've, we've, we've done the yeoman's work in going through Milano and Dawkins. The guy who really has to do all of this work is, of course, general manager Brandon Bean. He and head coach Sean McDermott deserve to be universally lauded for turning around the moribund Buffalo Bills franchise and getting us to the playoffs two of the last three years. What has to happen for other people? I I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but there are still people out there that are not guaranteed that McDermott and Bean deserve contract extensions. What do you say to those people? Uh, I think what I say to those people is you're not paying attention. Because if you're saying these guys don't deserve an extension until they become a Super Bowl contender, 
I think you're kind of missing the point. And the I know the detractors are going to say that they invested too much in Josh Allen when they could have sat where they were, taken Lamar Jackson, and you know maybe even been ahead of where they are right now. But if you look at what they've done, and this would be my argument to those people, if you look at what they've done as far as bringing in talent, and that begins with their with their front office staff, the the Dan Morgans, Joe Shones of the world. Um, um, there, there's just the list goes on and on, and the Bills, the Bills front office has a huge amount of credibility, and you can expect that there's going to be multiple future general managers to come out of this collection of, of scouts and personnel people. That is a big first step is credibility because the bills have not had that in the front office for a very long time. Second, they he they have really implemented a culture from the top down and that really starts with Sean McDermott because he's the the mouthpiece of the front office and ownership to the players. He's got them on board and they're working together to build something. Now, it's an incomplete product as of yet. We we know that it's an incomplete product right now because this team has gotten to the playoffs, hasn't won in the playoffs. However, have you felt better in the last 20 years about the state of the organization top to bottom than you do right now? No. If that's the case, right. And if that's the case and you look at how respected Sean McDermott is amongst his peers, because around the NFL, they talk about him. They say this is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. He has also assembled himself a very good, very dedicated staff working under him. And, you know, there's questions about maybe Brian Dable wants to get a head coaching job and he's thinking more about that. But still, he's assisted with the development of Josh Allen. So when you take all of these things and and bring them all together, you have a very credible organization from a, from a situation that was quite moribund to to one right now where at least half the teams in the NFL would gladly trade places. So to you people that don't believe they deserve an extension yet, I ask, outside of the the points that I just brought up, what is it? And and let me know on Twitter. Let us both know on Twitter or the Buffalo Rumblings website. Where do they not qualify in your eyes? I think that again, short of winning Buffalo a playoff game, which you know everyone admits now that you know the look when twenty seventeen came around and the Bills snuck into the playoffs as the sixth seed with a a woeful offense and an under the radar defense. Bills fans were happy that the team got to the playoffs and they could finally say that the monkey was off their back about the playoff drought last year, going 10 and six, the bills fans I, I gathered were, were pissed off that the team let that playoff game slip through their hands in Houston, that they had every right to win that game and advance in the next round of the playoffs. This team is building something. And Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, both to their credit, when they took over, they said that they did not want to just assemble a roster that could compete for the occasional wild card berth. They wanted to go make a deep run and be a championship contender year in and year out. And I'm telling you, with the roster that Buffalo has assembled, the Bills are right up there with the Chiefs and the Ravens in the AFC for teams that are viable Super Bowl contenders. We have not been able to say that since the 1990s when the Bills had their four straight Super Bowl runs. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean should have statues erected of them 
for what they've done to take this terrible travesty of a franchise that would go through and either overpay for past their prime veterans or mess up on drafting guys who never should have been in Buffalo in the first place. The Bills have hit on their free agent signings more often than not. They've more often than not, under this regime, nailed the draft, case in point, Matt Milano, a fifth rounder, emerging into a perennial star in this league. They've gone after it, financially prudent decisions. They took this team from the brink of salary cap hell and brought them to the point where they could be versatile and go make smart signings to get this team in the right position. I am all for Terry and Kim Pagula giving them the extensions that they want to keep them in Buffalo for as long as they want to because, folks, the past was scary how bad the Bills were as an organization. Before Sean McDermott started coaching in 2017, Buffalo's coaches went 104 wins, 152 losses, and no playoff appearances during that stretch. They were perennially 7-9, and 6-10. and 10. The Bills are now making themselves into a team that is, like you said, Jamie, the envy of a lot of other front offices with their continuity, with their player development. And oh, by the way, pro football focus, as much as you want to malign them, they said the Bills have the fifth best overall talented roster collection of any team in the league. Coming from how barren the cupboard was when McDermott and Bean took over, that's a major accomplishment for this team. Absolutely agreed. Now, what you're looking at, and it's not my money, so I don't care all that much, but you're probably looking at paying Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. You're going to probably give them the same length contract, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I could see a four or five year extension. I I hope that they don't get beyond that because I, I, I still want them to keep proving you know what they can do. But Jamie, before we, we go further on with this conversation real quick, I want to throw one situation out there for you. How closely do you tie Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott's futures and their extensions to how well Josh Allen performs this year and next year? I think that I think that it depends on how they handle that situation. If they look at it from the perspective of their going to let their eyes make the decision for them. If they decide that Josh Allen is not going to get them where they need to go and they make a move to do something else, I think that that would say a lot more than if they were questioning whether Josh Allen was the person but kept him anyway because they feel because they feel obligated to keep him. Um, I would have more respect for them if Josh Allen has a bad season and they move on than to insist on trying to get something out of them to try to you know squeeze some more water from that rock. Um, that that would be that would be ballsy to to put it mildly. Um, to a degree, it should be tied to them because of the number of assets they gave up because there was potentially two well. There's there were two quarterbacks taken after him in the first round. One of them was much better this past season. So, you know, I I, I don't think it should be. I don't think the ratio should be one to one. Josh Allen's success to keeping the McBean regime. What do you think? 
Yeah, you bring up a good point with regards to admitting uh, your failings. And if Josh doesn't live up, and the Bills, we've covered this before, the Bills are setting up Josh Allen for the ultimate level of success. They've given him all these playmakers around him. The offensive line is a good offensive line. It's not a top 10 unit yet, but it's not going to be the reason that the Bills, it shouldn't be the reason that the Bills fall on their face if they do in 2020. It's all tied to Josh Allen taking that next step in his third year as the starting quarterback. And I feel that, look, if, I'm not saying if the Bills go 6-10 and 10 and Josh Allen throws 15 touchdown passes and 30 picks that McBean have been ruled out for getting a contract extension because, again, for the body of work that they've built up, I feel they've done more than enough to warrant an extension. So I'm going to say even if Josh Allen flounders, which none of us want to see happen, but even if Josh Allen does not live up to the expectations, I still say you give the extension to Bean and McDermott for exactly the mediocrity that we saw before. When you see a situation where a team can thrive, a culture can thrive, and you have hope, you reward those guys and give them that second contract. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you back up and give them their contract extensions. They've deserved it. There's nothing There's nothing that – here. how often do we say – Trust the process. They've they've done something that's so hard to do in this day and age. They've built up trust from people that will never get a chance to know who they are and all they know about the Bills or what they read or what they hear. And this fan base is energized and excited. I don't want to lose that, so bring them back. I think you're going to end up paying McDermott five to eight million a year in an extension. I I don't know if uh, Bean would make that much, but I think you're looking at three to five million. And like I said before, it's not my money. So pay him more if you have to. <laughs> and anybody that can actually get draft capital in trades for Wyatt Teller and Russell Bodine, sign right. up. Man, there's a reason that we have this little running joke at Buffalo Rumblings about the the magic beans and Brandon Beans always working his trade mojo to get Buffalo a, a leg up when it comes to their trading opportunities. So look I hope that Josh Allen exceeds expectations and the Bills make a deep run, but it's worth having that conversation because the Bills have been able to be so competitive these last couple of years because Josh Allen has been on that rookie contract. And unfortunately, the Bills are going to have to start paying Josh Allen some big time bucks. When you see Patrick Mahomes probably getting 45 plus million dollars a year, Dak Prescott asking for 35 to 40 plus million dollars per year. You have to win when you're in that rookie window of a contract. So 2020 is going to be of the utmost importance to this Bills franchise and uh, and what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott can do moving forward. This is it this season, I I think. I I think they set themselves up to make their strongest run right now, and then they're going to retool after this. So, Bills fans, we've laid out our thoughts on this topic here on Believe. Uh, We want to hear your feedback as well. Get involved with our podcast on Twitter. Find us. We're fun, friendly people. We won't bite you on social media. (laughs) Jamie might if he hasn't had his morning coffee yet. But, uh, you know, for the rest of us, have a conversation. Have some dialogue. Get involved. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. You can find us also at Buff Rumblings for the Buffalo Rumblings Twitter account. Our articles post with the podcast. There's a comment section at the bottom. Please get involved, interact with us. We'd love to hear your feedback on these topics of contract extensions and more. Jamie, always a pleasure chatting here football with you on this day. Man, go Bills.
Go Bills and go listen to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Signing off, we'll see you guys back next week.